Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape on 91.3 FM stereo, 89.8, 90 as well as www.vocfm.co.za. My name is Muhammad Fasih Peterson and I welcome you to a very special program, uh, first in a series, very exciting series, looking at uh, Tawheed, looking at the oneness of Allah and looking at the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will be covering a book entitled The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body by uh, Butasali Mani and uh, this is book six in the series of books. Uh, we'll be talking about the concepts of Tawheed, talking about the creation both inward and outward uh, in our environment as human beings. And uh, without uh, further ado, I'd like to first introduce our guide on this journey, the author of the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, Bidasali Mani. Bidasali, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Fasih. Um, it's great to be here, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Bidasali, I'm very excited to get started with this particular series. I think that as Muslims, we have so much to ponder on and reflect on this deen, but also on the world around us. And in Islam, we are taught to reflect, we're taught to ponder. And so in this series, we'll be looking, I believe, at the aspects of the internal and external dimensions of the human being, the external uh, dimensions of creation, and trying to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as our creator through those means, inshallah. Inshallah. It's a, it's a topic that probably has no end if we go into it because pondering on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala signs out there, it's endless for us as human beings. Um, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to look for those signs in several places in the Quran. Uh, and instructs us, in fact, to look not only at the heavens and the earth, but also to look within ourselves for these signs. And going on this journey is a most wondrous and exciting journey to be on. Uh, and through this, we really start seeing how great Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really is. Subhanallah. Now, before we get to the content of the book, I'd like to talk a little bit about the author. But Asadi, uh, just give us a bit of a background in terms of uh, the earlier years and uh, where the inspiration for this book came about, inshallah. Muhammad Fasih, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm 70 years old already. Uh, normally people hide their age. <laughs> Uh, I think I am blessed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has afforded me the opportunity to have reached this, this advanced age. And I've been through very many distinct uh, chapters in my life. I started out my working career as uh, in the electronics field, radios, TVs, and electronic equipment. And... Um, in those days, it was extremely difficult to really understand and get the training because people weren't very equipped and technologically advanced at the time to teach these subjects um, at the Technicons. 
so that kind of laid the basis for me to go through things in a very logical way and to be able to take these things and to explain it in simple terms. I even did a stint at the technical college as a lecturer to explain these very difficult concepts of how sound is transmitted through the air and uh, take that information from one point that other people can actually uh, understand it on the other end was a very difficult journey. But in later life, that laid some kind of basis for me to be able to explain some of these uh, difficult concepts. Now, moving on uh, later in life, Balasali had, had uh, occupied many roles. And uh, Balasali also, I understand, was a trade unionist uh, during a very tumultuous time in the history of South Africa. Uh, please do tell us about that time and, and the experiences there. And what was learnt from that experience that also translates into the content of this book? Yeah, in fact, it was probably one of the most hectic periods in my life because prior to 94, many of the young people would probably not be fully aware of how difficult a time it was to be involved in any so-called struggle organizations at the time. I was involved in, in, in the trade unions uh, in Kosatu, uh, I was seen as one of the leaders in the trade un union movement at the time. Um, and it taught me that one of the big things was that one's life should not be about what is important to oneself, but to actually sacrifice and make time for others. And th during those years, it really mean, meant the ultimate sacrifice could even have meant in those days, and alhamdulillah, I managed to survive it. It wasn't just about your family and your time and your money, those kinds of sacrifices, but it actually meant being prepared to sacrifice your life because the system was very, very, very brutal in those years. And being able to, to play that kind of role, I take my hat off to the people who have played that kind of role in the past um, and became some of the people that one could, could, could learn from in, 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 in how to operate and conduct oneself. I was fortunate enough um, to, uh, from there on, move to a process where I was, as one of the trade union leaders at the time, uh, to be drawn into the drawing up of a new constitution for our country. And during the, the, the process, I was exposed to how to navigate through the difficult area of actually drawing up a constitution, what goes in the constitution, and to be able to explain those very, very technical and complicated terms to ordinary people in the trade union movement. And so uh, would Bidasadi say that, that that skill of being able to take knowledge and uh, break it up in a way that is more accessible to an audience who's not familiar with the bigger concepts has also helped Bidasali shape this book and how it is explained. Yeah, I, as a young person, um, I was exposed to um, the, the hadith that knowledge is the lost property of a believer. 
So even as a young person, even during my uh, technical period when I was involved in electronics, as well as uh, uh, my later involvement in other areas, I've always felt the compulsion to take whatever knowledge I acquired along the way to make it available, accessible, and to share it with people out there. So it was something that was part of me. It's not something that I, uh, I, I, I got taught. It was ingrained, my understanding that I was compelled to actually take all of this. And that has shaped and assisted me to develop the ability to, um, to actually take some of these com complicated and difficult concepts and to actually present it to people in a way where it's more understandable. Now, I just want to go back a little bit uh, further than, than we have uh, and go back to childhood. I believe that uh, Badasari's uh, grandfather was a very prominent uh, imam in the community. Yeah, my grandfather was somebody who, who taught people Tajweed. He was a person who was seen to be an expert in the area and actually wrote books on this topic, wrote it in Afrikaans using Arabic script, which was uh, very unusual in those days. So yes, his influence in writing has probably carried through without me consciously realizing that. SubhanAllah. So uh, in a sense, uh, uh one would say sometimes that certain things of our parents and our grandparents uh, is part of our DNA. And so later on in life, uh, it tends to come out through, if not children, then grandchildren, uh, as in this case. Keeping with the spiritual aspect, later in life, Badasani had the opportunity to meet one of the great sheikhs of the Sufi orders. Um, and we speak of Sheikh Hazim Abu Ghazala uh, of Jordan. How did that experience translate into sharpening this viewpoint and sharpening this understanding about spirituality and connected to the physical dimensions as well? As a young person, uh, Fasih, um, I was the kind of person I had a, a curiosity I never could accept anything if I didn't understand it and some people actually got irritated with me as a young person and even in later life I wouldn't be able to move on to the next point unless I understood things uh, this is since uh, since my childhood days so I've always had questions throughout my life um, about who is Allah um, or what is Allah even um, and understanding the bigger questions, where is Allah? Um, how did Allah create human beings? Uh, how does Qadan uh, Qadr work? Uh, that if Allah has put out certain things, but Allah has also given us choice, where does uh, reward and punishment fit in. I've, throughout my years since a child, I've had these questions. And my big, big moment uh, in my life came when I touched myself and took bayah by Sheikh Hazim Abu Ghazala, probably about 12 years or so ago. Um, a connection was made at the level of the heart. The moment I saw uh, Sheikh Hazim Abu Ghazala, who is the 
world leader of the Shadli Qadri uh, Tariqa, um, I immediately felt that this was the person that I was looking for throughout my life. And uh, since then, I have not looked back. And the amazing thing about this was that I, the moment I attached myself to him, I left all the other questions and I went back to the very basics of the kalima. What does la ilaha illallah? That's the first part of the kalima. I went back to that to try and understand properly who is Allah and how do we understand Allah? And he assisted me greatly to go back, but to go back with and have a proper understanding of the basics of Tawheed. So that's, in fact, one of the most profound areas. Um, he then went on to assist me to understand the significance of the 99 beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And many of us know about these things. We've heard about it. We've been taught about it. But when it comes to the difficult questions, uh, we shy away from it or people tell us, don't go there because th those are not questions that you have to, to, to ask. I asked and I had questions um, and most of my questions have been answered since I've attached myself to him. I don't say that I understand everything uh, because knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has absolutely no limits. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is absolutely perfect. There's nothing that can be added to Allah. There's nothing that can be subtracted. Uh, Allah is perfect and his greatness is untouchable. So to really know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a ladder that one climbs that has absolutely no end. So I would be, I would be foolish to even suggest that I fully know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't think anyone can fully know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't matter who they are. Because only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can know himself. But to be on a path where you are actually climbing the ladder to understand correctly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and doing justice to his oneness is such a great, great experience. It's, 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 it's like veils being lifted and you suddenly start seeing things the way it ought to be seen. The voice of uh, Bilisari Mani, the author of the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. And uh, we're looking at uh, the sixth book in the series. And uh, we'll be looking at aspects of Tawheed and uh, understanding the external environment. We'll also be looking at the Big Bang, as we mentioned in the title of the book, uh, a concept that brings into view just some of the amazing things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in place and how we see ourselves as human beings as a tiny speck in this universe, subhanAllah. When we come back after this break, we will continue. Stay tuned. <laughs> As 
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. Uh, we are talking about the book The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. This book is authored by Budasani Mani, who joins me in studio. And uh, this is the sixth book in the series of books that uh, Budasali has uh, written. Um, now, before the break, Budasali, we, we touched on the aspect of La ilaha illallah. And uh, we're looking at Tawheed as one aspect of this discussion that we are going to have. But what exactly is Tawheed? What exactly do we talk about when we talk about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is something we hear in madrasa all the time. We're told that Allah is one. How do we understand this? Muhammad Fasih, um, the whole concept of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has endless layers of understanding. As one makes progress along this path, one's understanding of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts increasing because you get different dimensions of understanding. And Allah, hopefully, if Allah recognizes that we are earnest in wanting to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better, through His mercy, He starts making it easier for us to get to know Him better. Now, when we talk about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one, then one as far as it being a number. One, if we talk about one, you also talk about one being considered as one as part of a string of numbers. There's also zero and there's also two and there's also three. The oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should not be considered as part of a number, one of a whole series of possible numbers. It's unrelated to the number system. Oneness means uniqueness, none other than only that one. Now, because of the limitations of the English language, we use the number one. But in this instance, it should not be referred to or be understood as one as part of a series of potential numbers. That's the first point. The second point um, in this understanding is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique in the understanding of his oneness that is Creation is his essence. The being itself is unique. The supreme being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is unique. There's none other than. That's number one. Number two, it's, we are not only referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the supreme being when we talk about his oneness. We're also talking about that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is known through, his sifat the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we were young, we all learned about the 20 sifats, what wajib is, and the 20 sifats, what mustakhil is, what impossible is. For Allah, as young people, we all learned about those things. Now, every one, every single one of those sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique only to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None other in creation has those sifat and attributes. That's the second part. The third part is that everything that Allah has created, none other can create what Allah has created. Now, if we understand 
and, and, and to summarize it, then the oneness should be understood that Allah is unique, the only one who is in existence as the creator. There's none other. Uh, second part is that his attributes and his uh, names of Allah, the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are unique. And that the third part, that which Allah has created. So in summary, it's the essence is unique. Secondly, the, the attributes are unique. And thirdly, the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we talk about the oneness, we must understand all three of those are together uh, referred to as the oneness and the uniqueness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which forms the basis of uh, Tawheed. And if one doesn't understand that, it would be difficult to move on to the next level or understanding of Tawheed. So if I read into what Bidasad is saying, firstly, it is for us to remove from our work, our thinking, the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be determined by our understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be described by human understanding. Like we mentioned, when we talk about oneness, we talk about it as a part of a series of numbers. So we're looking at that concept based on our understanding of what one is and oneness. So when we talk about that then, when we talk about uh, the concept of understanding oneness, when we talk about the Creator, we are talking about a unique being, aren't we? We're talking about someone that exists, subhanAllah, outside of anything that Allah has created. 100% uh, In fact, it's compulsory for us to not move beyond this until we have at least some clear level of understanding. Allah says uh, to us, Kul huwa Allahu ahad, ahad. That oneness, we must, we must understand that oneness. Now, we recite this uh, so often, but if we, under, if we understood Ahad as not being related to a number, but uniqueness, when we refer to the creator, the supreme being of this entire universe, and we say Ahad, it should evoke a feeling or understanding that's different from what we had when we were reciting it without uh, understanding. Now, everything in creation or our knowledge, we gather through our five senses. I'm not going to go, everyone knows what the five senses are, hearing and seeing and all of those things. But it's not possible for Allah to be known using our five senses which means that Allah cannot be seen. So any image, any image or picture that you might have in your mind of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, it's not like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is different from what any human being is able to imagine or picture because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself, the Almighty, can know himself in terms of who or what he is. So the first thing then is to understand the limitations. Creation can never know perfection 
Allah represents utter and total perfection. And creation by its very nature is imperfect. Why? Because it requires a creator to bring it into existence. It's waiting to be created until it is created. It is, it is not. So it only becomes what it is after it's been created. Now, if we, if we just, uh, it might, might sound technical uh, or confusing, but creation is dependent on something to trigger it to come into existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beyond that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has existed and not dependent on anything to bring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into existence. Allah has no beginning and no end. So Allah is different from creation in that respect. Creation is in need, Allah is not in need. So if we, if we summarize that point, then creation is imperfect because it's dependent on something. Allah is utterly perfect because Allah is not dependent on anything. Now, if you then say, is it possible for imperfection to understand or know fully comprehend what is perfection, then clearly it is not possible. So only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can know himself. Subhanallah. I think uh, on that note, we'll pause. And it's definitely something for us to think about as uh, human beings. We try and understand everything in our environment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists outside of our environment and our understanding. And uh, subhanallah, it's, it, it makes us realize that the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great beyond our understanding and concept of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, you will listening to the voice of uh, Badasari Mani, the author of the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body. This is the sixth book in a series of books that Badasari has written. We're going to take a break and uh, when we come back, we'll continue uh, looking at uh, this amazing concept of Tawheed as we understand it and then the external environment that we'll be branching out into, inshallah. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to VSC 91.3 FM Stereo, Voice of the Cape. And uh, today we are talking about a book entitled The Big Bang, authored by Badasali Mani, who's in studio with me. And it focuses also on the amazing human body. And now I want to ask the question, Badasali, how do we then marry our understanding of Allah and our understanding of the creation? The first thing is to understand that there is a very, very distinct line between creator and creation. Creation is dependent on the creator for its existence. The creator is totally and utterly independent and self-sufficient um, from anything whatsoever. Now comes many, many questions. Allah is not dependent on us. We are dependent on Allah. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to believe in him, but we can't actually see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no point at which you can actually get to an image of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. If things stop there, 
And may Allah forgive me for even, even saying that, uh, the, the next thing that I'm going to say, <laughs> then um, it would have been unfair if Allah just left it like that. Uh, where Allah knows Allah, it's not possible for us. Allah created us with the inability to actually um, see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet all our knowledge we gather through our five senses. But what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his mercy, in his all-pervasive mercy has done, Allah has shown us how to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if we don't know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how do we actually worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We can't see Allah, we can't get to know him, yet we are told we must believe in him and worship him. But Allah has pointed to us and told us, get to know me through my signs. Get to know me through my sifat. Allah's attributes, and, and, and maybe at some point we must just explain what is a sifat uh, generally and what is a sign. We must look around us for these signs and Allah actually tells us where to look for it. Allah says, look to the heavens and the earth and look within yourselves. Why? Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us to do that? Because when we look at these things that Allah has pointed us towards, we will see as we start understanding how it actually works, we will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness, His majesty. And He will, as the more you get to know, you will say, Subhanallah, this could never have come about by accident. This could never have evolved by itself. There is a great supreme being behind all of this. Then you start recognizing some of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sifat. And as you start looking around you, you will start recognizing more and more of the sifat. And as a consequence, you now get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better. When you stand on your musla, or you make ibadah, or you're just out there on your own, amongst people or completely on your own and you think about Allah, then your concept about who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is has more meat around it. When you say Allah is all-powerful, what does it mean? Allah is the creator of everything. What does it actually mean now when you stand on your musla or when you are worshipping Allah or when you even just talk or you just say the word Allah? When you say Allah, it must mean something that is different because now it has a very solid foundation on which you are basing your understanding. Now, building on that, the question then is, what do we look for in this creation? What do we look for? And I'm going to use the word signs. What signs do we look for in this creation, both within ourselves that Allah has created and externally? What do we look for that we can then praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, in the sense? Muhammad Fasih, um, I, I, I think, you know, um, the word sign or signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is referring to, uh, if you look at a normal sign, uh, if you drive down the road, the sign points towards something. It gives you information about uh, something else. That is generally in the worldly environment. Uh, the arrow 
points this way, so you know uh, you have to go in that direction. Or uh, there's three names on, 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 on the signpost, and you want to go to one, the sign will say that one that you're looking for is this way, and that one is going that way, and the other one is going a different way. So a sign is a pointer, an indicator, but a sign is also something that demonstrates or gives you a practical example of something else. Who is the creator behind that? So if we look at the tree, then a tree can be a sign, and it is a sign. Everything in creation is in fact a sign. But if you look at the tree, if you just look at the tree and you say, oh, Allah has created this tree and Allah has created all the trees. Yes, it's true, but how does that strengthen your understanding of who Allah is? How does it increase your iman? If you start understanding how the tree works, you understand how the tree actually converts sunlight into a form of energy. And that is the energy that all human beings and, and, and living uh, animals in whatever form actually depend on that energy that is being converted by the tree that comes from the sun. See, in fact, if we look at energy in this entire world for now, the simple understanding is that energy actually comes from the sun. You're going to say, yeah, but I eat meat. Where does the meat come from? The meat actually comes from the sunlight, which the tree converts into a form of energy, which the animals eat. And then we eat the meat of the animal and we get our energy via the meat, which comes from the tree, which comes from the sunlight. And where does the sunlight come from? But we'll, 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 before we go too far, let's pause there. SubhanAllah. I think that, that is such a beautiful description because one doesn't think about the interconnectivity of things, the fact that one thing is connected to another. And then also if one thinks about that happening in that particular tree that I'm looking at, all of these things are happening that Allah has created in order to produce energy, uh, to produce oxygen, uh, to produce food for the tree. And then it's not just that tree, every single tree in the world is doing exactly the same thing that that tree is doing. SubhanAllah. Even the grass, uh, grass, leaves, so plants, plants Allah created as the one thing that converts the sunlight energy into, you will say, of course, it's not the sunlight. We understand science has told us that it also requires water. It also requires uh, oxygen um, to convert the sunlight through the process of photosynthesis. But it's in that understanding how Allah has designed the use of a tree. Now, if you just look at the tree without that understanding, then how does that strengthen your understanding about the greatness of Allah? But when you actually unpack and understand all plant life has a particular use and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created that for a particular purpose and what is that purpose? And you start finding out and you say, subhanallah, Allah's great. Look how that works if that wasn't there and look how finely tuned everything is. So with no plants, there will be no animal or human life. Without sunlight, there won't be any plant life. 
and one can go back and back and back. But in the process, you see, Muhammad Fasih, the, the one thing about knowledge, if we seek knowledge, actually, it's a point that we had to make earlier. Some people, they gather and acquire knowledge, but their motive is to use it to show to others how much they know so that people can think, oh, this person is very knowledgeable. Or you can maybe try and pursue knowledge, not because you want to, to show off with your knowledge, but you just out of curiosity, you want to know how things work. If you don't add the other thing to it and that you're actually pursuing the knowledge with the near, the intention behind you wanting to pursue the knowledge so that you can get to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala better, so that you can worship Him better, so that you can become a better slave, then Allah will put barakah in your effort whilst you are pursuing this knowledge. But if it's out of pure curiosity or you want to grandstand or you want to show off or show the other person you know something that they don't know so that they can think that you are great, then the barakah of that knowledge is lost. The knowledge must be accompanied by a very clear intention. I'm pursuing this with the purpose of wanting to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when Allah detects your near and sees that you are doing it for that reason, then you are doing what Allah has ordered you to do. So Allah will give you the blessings that comes with that pure intention. And a pure intention alone, as we know, a good near on its own, is a form of worship. You get, you get rewarded just for the intention without even carrying out the action. So if it's accompanied by a clear near and intention with the action, then there will be even more barakah and blessings in your effort. And as a consequence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up and lift the veils for you and give you an even better understanding of whatever it is that you are pursuing. The voice of uh, Balasali Mani, we are looking and reflecting on the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, authored by Balasali. This is the sixth book in a series of books, and this one looking at signs internal and external, and also reflecting on the aspect of Tawheed and how we can begin to see the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the creator. We're going to go for a break. When we come back, we'll be into our final segment. Stay tuned. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM stereo. I'm with uh, Badassar Imani, the author of the book, The Big Bang, uh, The Amazing Human Body. And this is book six in the series of books that Badassar has authored. We spoke before the break about uh, the appreciation of science. But I wanted to ask Badassar then, in line with that, how and where does the instruction come to mankind to think about and to ponder on the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Where has Allah encouraged us to look upon what Allah has created and reflect and, 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 and take that in? Muhammad Fasih, um, <clears throat> the first thing that I, I, I want to make clear, I'm not 
an imam. I'm not a sheikh. I would term myself as a seeker of truth or a, some people say I'm, I'm, I'm a, a scholar researching some of the issues. Uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this is the imams and the sheikhs and the ulama have a particular role to play uh, and they have knowledge about our deen, but it doesn't mean that we must all become imams or sheikhs. It's possible for us to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with whatever we have been given. It's possible for you to become a knower of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without having to become a qualified sheikh or an imam. Because otherwise it would be unfair and Allah is never unfair. It would mean only the people who have studied and qualified. And I, the reason why I'm making this point is to show that if your search to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is accompanied with sincerity and effort, then Allah will make it possible for you to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And please, for one minute, don't uh, 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 regard this as something where I am saying I am closer to Allah than other people. I am probably Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's weaker slave. Uh, I, I, I could have done more and should be doing more and, 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 and whatever goes with that. But the point is really that the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are given to us in several places. And I'm reluctant to quote uh, because people will, 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 will question, uh, and, and I've heard this already uh, being said, but as I imam or as I sheikh, we give me recht om such things to say and to quote. I am not an imam, I am not a sheikh. I want to make that clear, but what I did do, I've taken most, if not all of my writings, and I've passed it on to my, uh, my murshid, my, 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 my guide, my spiritual guide, Sheikh Hazim Abu Ghazala, for his comment, and he has sanctioned my content of my books. So if there are errors and mistakes in any of the books that I've written, then it's my own errors, but the content generally has been sanctioned by him. So where does Allah say? In several places in the Quran. In several places. I can give you the verses in the Quran, but the one that stands out for me that I've used as the basis for the sixth book on the Big Bang and the human body, where Allah says we must look for, for the signs, for Allah's greatness and signs look out there and within ourselves. And I quote what would be one of the um, uh, English translations of it. And I quote, we will show them our signs, our signs, our in capital Allah signs. We will show them our signs in the universe and in them, in their own selves until it becomes manifest to them that this, in other words, the Quran is the truth. Uh, verse 41 uh, 53. Um, yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the unbelievers who at the time questioned the message of Islam and the Quran as something that was divinely inspired on the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, if you look at this as an instruction to the unbelievers, 
then surely to the ones who say they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the universe is teeming, is full of signs that points to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that behind everything, we, if we look up, but if we look within our own selves, and yes, some people have written quite a bit about aspects of the universe and about things out there, but very few people have actually gone into the human body, our own human bodies, to actually look for the signs within ourselves to confirm that behind this very body of ours, our bodies are proof that there is a creator out there. So uh, there are lots of signs everywhere in the Quran. I'm not going to go through all of the verses, but if people are interested in other places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then maybe on uh, a follow-up, we can point them to the verses in the Quran uh, where uh, we are instructed to actually look for these signs. Bilisani, just before we end the program, um, we will be going into the concept of uh, the Big Bang in future programs. But many people might not understand what we're referring to when we talk about this phenomena, about the Big Bang. Um, how do we understand it in very, very simple terms, this concept that we will be covering in future programs, inshallah? The Big Bang is a term that the scientists or the scientific community use to describe how the universe was created. Now, they say it's a theory, and it is a theory, but the one thing that we must not make a mistake about is that, say, it's a theory, and therefore we can't take it as fact. There are aspects of the Big Bang from a certain period after the universe was created. All those things are considered as factual. So there's a portion of the Big Bang that is referred to as a theory which scientists are not able to explain scientifically. The rest of it are proven facts and our whole universe is constructed around the laws and the understanding of how the universe came into existence from that point onwards, but right at the beginning, right at the very beginning. Uh, is where scientists have no answers. And that is, if we look at what science is saying, they're saying at some point there was absolutely nothing. There was no time, there was no space, there was no energy, there was no matter. There was nothing, zero, nothing. And then an intense spark of energy appeared from which everything else derived from. They can't explain how that spark came into existence. As scientists and cosmologists and people have studied how the actual world came into existence. Now that's where we draw the line between what science is saying and what we believe as Muslims in terms of how Allah created the universe. 
Inshallah, I look forward to the coming episodes. Inshallah, we will unpack the concept of the Big Bang. And then also, we will be going back and forth in terms of looking at the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, understanding those sifat, and then building on that in terms of the physical understanding of the universe. Inshallah, so very exciting series with Bilasani. I just wanted, Fasih, uh, just to add one thing. The one thing that for me has been quite powerful when I embarked on this journey of trying to understand how Allah created the universe was most of us, when we speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say time and space does not apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most people will generally accept that, time and space. But they don't fully comprehend the significance of the concept of time and space because as human beings it's impossible for us to <laughs> even move to the next point in our discussions or journey if we talk about an understanding where there is no time or no space because no time and no space our whole world is constructed around time and space so just understanding how time came into existence and how space was formed with the help of what scientists tell us will be a most powerful way of strengthening our Iman. So inshallah, the next few uh, series would go into to some of these things and hopefully it will assist us. Uh, in that respect. Inshallah. Uh, yes, very exciting times ahead, inshallah, as we will be looking uh, deeper at uh, the science, we're looking deeper at the concept of Tawheed as well and how we understand it uh, with Badasari. Shukran so much, Badasari, for joining us uh, on this first episode. And uh, the book is uh, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body by uh, Badasari Mani. And uh, we're dealing with book six in the series. And uh, if there are any questions, uh, people are welcome to email me, fasih at vocfm.clzile, and uh, that's F-A-S-I-E-G-H at vocfm.clzile. If you have any questions that you'd like to pose uh, based on what we've discussed, we'll collect those and then we'll deal with them in uh, programs coming up, inshallah. I mean, but once again, Bidusali, shukran so much, and uh, inshallah, until next time, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Shukran Fasih for this opportunity and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our hearts and our minds so that we benefit, we all benefit, including myself, from this interaction that we've had here. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And from myself, Muhammad Fasih Peterson, till I speak to you again, inshallah. I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. La hawla wa la quwata illa لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله